Good morning, 96.5 KLH. Dave and Doreen along with Marcus, the morning KLH. Let's welcome our Green and Gold Insider, three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year co-host, Wilde and Tausch on ESPN. Jason Wilde to the show. Good morning, Jason. How you doing? Good morning, everyone. I'm good. How are you? Doing yeah. very well. You know, I learned so many things by listening to the Wilde and Tausch program. Mr. Wilde, is it true there is a chasm in the locker room between the defensive players and the defensive coordinator? Uh, yes. Tausch loved that word, chasm. I know. So did, so did I. That's why I used it, because you used it, and I loved it. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely uh, a level of disagreement and a level of frustration. Now, um, I thought it was really interesting. So I spent about 10 minutes yesterday, which in locker room availability time is a long time. Uh, talking with Rasul Douglas, and he proved one of the, the theories that uh, I've had for a very long time, which is when players start to answer with "I don't know" mm. and lots of drugs, they do know. Mm-hmm. It's their way of saying I can't talk about that, um, like Bruno. Uh, so <laughs> there's there's clearly. There's no doubt. There's frustration. Uh, I think that there's a loss of, of faith in the system or in the coordinator himself. They also have a guy on their staff in Jerry Gray, who has been a coordinator twice before, has had more success than Joe Barry, and is really, really well-liked uh, among everyone in the building. And so... And, and last year against Arizona, when Joe Barry had COVID and didn't coach that game, the Packers arguably had their best defensive performance. So put all those things uh, in the stew, and you can tell that there's uh, some discontent on that side of the football where they've definitely stayed under expectations by a long margin. Jason, is it the fact that the, it's the system versus the personality of Joe Barry, or is it a combination of both? Yeah, I think it's the calls during the course of the game. I think it's the system. I think it's the choices he makes on how to attack certain game plans. Um, I mean, he seems like a swell fella, but <laughs> again, I don't, I don't know. Like, if you get frustrated with someone at work, right? Like, he's he would be the equivalent of some sort of middle manager, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not the head coach, but he certainly is your direct report. Um, if, if you don't think he knows what he's doing or if he's doing a poor job of what he's supposed to be doing, it probably doesn't matter if you think he's a great guy, if you think it's messing with your career and your team's success, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know how they feel about Joe Barry personally. I just know that there's definitely varying degrees of frustration among many of the players. When it comes to... When the media asks like the coach the questions, do they have just a, a stack of answers that they pull out? Like, for instance, when Matt LaFleur said his focus was on the game plan, you know, and playing better in Detroit where they always haven't played well, is that just in his stock answers? Because it just seemed like a cop-out answer. Yeah, I, I thought that, uh, Doreen, he was, and again, uh, I, I am well aware that most fans are not interested in how I do my job. Just do my job. Give me information. Right. Give me entertaining stories to read and listen to on the radio. I don't care how you do it. Don't don't whine and complain about who talked or who didn't. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I get that. In my opinion, what Matt Lafleur did yesterday was his way of saying, "This is not my job." 
Brian Gutekunst's job is to make trades and build the roster. And Brian Gutekunst made the choice, despite requests from literally every one of us that are beat writers on the, on the beat, despite requests from each of us to speak, and despite, in my opinion, him owing that to fans who you love as an organization to say that we're owned by the fans, we don't have a billionaire owner, he declined. He did not make himself available to discuss how the trade deadline day went from his perspective. That bugs me. And it bugs Matt LaFleur. And the reason why Matt LaFleur kept saying uh, that he was just focused on his game plan and, and he, he didn't pick his head up from his desk because he was just focused on the Lions. I see. And that was basically his way of saying, look, you guys can ask me six ways to Sunday what exactly I thought or how I felt about the trade deadline, I'm just not going to answer. Right. And instead of saying, I'm not going to answer that, that was his version of, I'm not going to answer that. Now, the problem that I had with his answers, to your point, Doreen, was at one point I asked him about how he addresses it with the team, which is totally different than how did you feel, mm-hmm. right? And for him to claim, and I, I like Matt, and I think he's given some really good answers, I enjoy our back and forth. But for him to claim that he didn't even address it with the team, that borders on coaching malpractice, in my opinion. Like, you can't pretend it didn't happen. (laughs) Like, you have to be able to talk about it with your players and have something to say. Look, all right, some of you might have been in here that thought we needed to add somebody. It didn't happen. I understand you're frustrated. I'm frustrated, too. But let's go do, you know, kind of like the old major league where they – have the cutout of the owner uh, with the <laughs> yep. pieces of you know, like, let's go show duty that we can do this ourselves. We don't need any help. We got this with the guys we've got here. Like there's gotta be some sort of rallying cry. Exactly. Yeah. And I can't believe that they didn't have that conversation. Maybe he just didn't want to talk about it. Okay. So the Packers first don't trade for anybody, but the next four games, you got Detroit this weekend, Dallas, Tennessee, Philly, is there a point with one of those games, if we lose, that that's kind of like the signal that the Packers are just looking forward to next year? I mean, no, I don't think so, Marcus, because, again, and, and I also understand fans' frustration with them always, quote-unquote, being in the mix, right? I don't care if you're in the mix. Did you get somebody or not? If you didn't, it doesn't really matter, right? And I, I totally understand that line of thinking. What I would say is that the fact that they made a an offer for Chase Claypool to the Steelers of a second-round pick, which is a premium draft pick, the fact that they made that, even though the Steelers took the Bears' offer instead, and even though you could say, well, if they really, really, really wanted Claypool, they could have given up a second draft pick to make their offer more appealing. The fact that they did it in the first place, they also pursued another offensive player, uh, from the AFC, who that team pulled him off the market uh, after they had had trade talks about him, tells me that they are trying and that Goody was not just saying, all right, I'm just waving the white flag on this season. In that narrow instance, I do think it matters that they tried because it tells you they're not giving up, whereas when they didn't do anything at past trade deadlines, uh, that was him basically saying, I think what we've got is good enough. Because they were 7-1 and one, two of those years and 5-2 and two at another. Mm-hmm. So my point is, is that I don't think they're waving the white flag now. And so if you haven't done that at the trade deadline, 
they obviously are going to try to keep winning. But there are some games that you just rattled off there mm. that if you lose to Mike McCarthy at Lambeau, uh, if you lose at home on a short week to the Titans, and then if you go to Philly and lose to a team that is currently undefeated, that's when your season starts to unravel and it's like 2005 all over again. We're speaking with Jason Wilde, our Green and Gold Insider. Jason, is it your impression that Matt LaFleur is in almost an untenable position? He does not control the roster. As a matter of fact, you could make the point Aaron Rodgers has as much influence on the roster as Matt LaFleur. And then when it comes to actually calling plays and executing on the field, I'm assuming many of the times we see Aaron decide to pass, that wasn't necessarily the play call. Am I correct in assuming Matt LaFleur might be in kind of a difficult position? Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And, and I think that's, you know, look, he, I don't want to say he's afraid of Aaron Rodgers. I think that's disrespectful to him. But I think he has uh, placated Aaron Rodgers to a point where uh, I think it's hard to put that toothpaste back in the tube. And then you're right. He doesn't have control of the roster. I'm, and I'm not arguing that he should, but with how Goody approaches his job, look, I, I think Brian Gutekunst, because of that 2019 offseason where they signed four free agents, and because he's, he talks uh, a little more um, upbeat in a more upbeat manner than Ted used to, that everyone thought he was such an upgrade over Ted. And I, I've maintained all along, he's just Ted Thompson, except for he's willing to add an occasional veteran instead of promoting from the practice squad during the season. Like, that's the difference. He's the same guy. Especially when it and comes so, to talking to the media, I guess, too, yeah. right? Kind of the same thing. Right. right, exactly. He's not exactly a recluse, but he's right there. So, look, the, I think LaFleur's in a really tough spot. I think the one thing that it was interesting, and you guys – did we talk about this on Monday, what Von Miller said to Rodgers during the game? No. no. So Von Miller is their star, is the Bills' star pass rusher. And after uh, Aaron Jones gets stuffed on fourth and one, and, and the, the NBC cameras caught it, Von Miller walks up to Rodgers. And, and Rodgers and him have like this back and forth. And Von Miller said after the game, he asked him, are you all going to pass at any point? <laughs> like, are you just going to run the ball all game? <laughs> and, and then Von Miller says, you know, I'm not going to tell you how Aaron responded because that's my guy. So yesterday at his locker, I asked Rodgers flat out. I said, Von Miller told us his half of the conversation. What did you say back to him when he asked if you guys were going to pass at all? And he totally dodged. So my uh, spidey sense tells me he's like, yeah, this is ridiculous. I can't believe we're running the ball all this time. Because you know he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to hand off 30 times in a game. Right. But that's a, another indicator of what Matt LaFleur is up against, is that he, if he wants to do something a certain way, and I would argue that it was probably a slight overcorrection to run it quite as much as he did against Buffalo, especially when you're down by 17 points, um, that's fine. But him and Rodgers have to get on the same page. And, and I don't think Rodgers is always the easiest guy to work with, but they have to figure this out together. And there's got to be some give from the hard-headed quarterback to help them get to where they need to go. Do you believe that uh, they get to where they need to go this Sunday? They start at least getting on that track? If it, now, <laughs> the Lions are averaging 38 points a game at home. Wow. 
Um, I have been in Ford Field, I don't know, 10, 12 times, even though I haven't traveled in a few years now. And whether that team is good or not, it just it's just one of those places where, not to the degree of the Metrodome back in the 90s, but it is just one of those places where weird stuff happens. And it, even with fans that sometimes are disengaged, it gets really loud. They play their little lion song after touchdowns with the live band. And it becomes a difficult place to play. I've seen them lose games there and in the Silver Dome in Pontiac that they had no business losing. Uh, they cannot afford for that to happen against a one and six team that is just flat out not very good. And so uh, if they lose, I'll say this, if the Lions put up 38 points and they lose their fifth straight game, I think Joe Barry's getting fired before the plane lands in Green Bay. And I think that they are in a position where they have to do something even more drastic than that, try and get, you know, kind of give CPR to a, a season because otherwise, we are 2005 all over again. Jason, thank you for the insight. We always appreciate the conversation. We look forward to talking to you on Monday morning. All right. Take care. Be good. You too. Jason Wilde, our Green and Gold Insider, three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, co-host of Wilde and Tausch.